stop. Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Miller. Dirty Harry Miller. Dirty Harry Miller Podcast. Dirty Harry Miller Podcast. Every penny's worth. Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, the only podcast in the world to review Every minute of that 1971 Warner Brothers classic, Dirty Harry. I'm one of your hosts, John, and I'm joined by usual co-host, Tim. Hi. Thanks for coming back, Tim. No problem. And Trent. Hello there. And our recurring guest, Karen. Hello, Karen. Hello. Pleased to be here again. I'm overjoyed. Thank you. (laughs) We will proceed. We are very lucky to be joined by one part of Escape from New York Minute, a man who hates pineapple on his pizza. (laughs) He also loves a little bit um, Flash Gordon. We have Eric Deutsch. How are you, Eric? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on, everyone. You're welcome. Are you a big Dirty Harry fan? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say a big fan. I, I was, I was thinking about this when I was getting ready to come on your show and I've seen Dirty Harry. I've seen Magnum Force. Um, I could have sworn that I saw the Deadpool, but in looking through my OCD based Excel sheet, I keep of every movie I've ever watched. The Deadpool is not in there. And so I guess I have a fake memory of watching the Deadpool. Um, so I guess I've only seen Dirty Harry and Magnum Force, but I did like them though. Let's be honest, when you talk about the Deadpool, you just remember the remote control car, right? <laughs> I don't need, I, I remember I, I remember him holding up the um uh the spear gun or something. Yeah. <laughs> I kept on looking for new ones, kept on looking for new uh ways to top a forty four Mac. Well done. You saw the low point of the Dirty <laughs> Harry series. <laughs> Liam Neeson with a bad ponytail and Jim Carrey. Welcome to the jungle! (laughs) At the start. (laughs) Well, Eric, both our movies have our heroes with very unrealistically large, inoperable guns. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering where that was going. (laughs) Well, many thanks for joining us, Eric. Today we are reviewing Minute 97. The minute begins with Harry explaining, Do I feel lucky? And ends with Harry looking down at a fake police badge obtained from the dark web because he's not a real police officer. What did you think of this minute, Eric? Uh, it, I, I mean, I, I feel honored to get the death of the main villain uh, as my yeah. one minute here. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a good minute because I, I like how Andrew Robinson, right? That's his name? Yeah. yeah. Andy to his friends. <laughs> he... He, he, he really does a good job of, like, with, the, with just his facial expression of just, like, he can't believe that he's been beaten. You know, he's really stunned that that's, like, you know, he's considered himself invincible. And it's, like, he's he's been beaten by Dirty Harry and he's just, he can't believe it. You know, he thought he was so great and he's not as great as Dirty Harry. Are you saying he's a little bit like Romero when he goes, <gasps> and Harry <laughs> Dean Stanton stabs him? Yes. I, I could see that sound coming out of, uh, out of Scorpio, actually. <laughs> I think that's a good point because Scorpio's ego must be pretty healthy for him to think he can do all this and outsmart Dirty Harry. So, like, he's so utterly creepy. So, I think Eric's on the money. Yeah. I mean, they're both good 
They're both good shooters, would you say, Tim? I mean, Scorpio is a sniper. He has precision on his ta- on his in his favor, but Harry's more of a I don't know, gets the the real job done. That's right. If he was in a video game, Scorpio would have one rating on his close combat skills. Hey, Karen, do you think back at the quarry, like, the workers are all looking like placing bets, like, oh, he's going to win. Oh, I'm on the weirdo with the cardigan, loser. And I'm with this this weird guy in a poo-stained jacket. Well, I think the whole quarry is interesting. It's operating, yet we have one staff member that we see. I was wondering if it was a bit of a union situation and it was so hot that they were all allowed to go home, although perhaps I knew there was a killing coming on, so they ran. Um, Of course, you know, the little kid, he's a bit naughty just fishing there in the poisoned quarry water um, and misses death by a couple of millimetres. The quarry is just so odd and unusual. I don't know, you can really smell and taste the dust, though. Um, Their clothes get dusty. Uh, it's such a good contrast. Like they're outside the city limits, and yes. you have the rustic wood, and it contrasts really well with the you know the delicious wooden paneling of the mayor's office. Yes. Civilization, refined, yeah. polish, civilized. I purportedly. wonder. And I wonder. Sorry to interrupt. That's very rude of me. Keep going. <laughs> no, that's all I was going to say. So I mean, it's obviously a throwback to the western. Do you think, uh, Eric? We're supposed to think this is like a showdown in the old west. Sure. I mean, you got Clint Eastwood. You, you, you have to have that, right? Uh, yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and it's interesting, too, because at, at first you you see they, sh- they show uh, Scorpio's hand and he actually moves his hand away from the gun like he's not going to try it. He's, he's not feeling lucky. Uh, <laughs> but then when Harry calls him a punk... He's basically, it's like he's saying, you know, he's like, he's not granting him the status of being anything more in Harry's eyes. You know, he's a punk just like anyone else. I don't, you know, I don't care that you've had this reign of terror or anything like that. And Scorpio hears him called a punk and that changes the attitude. He's going to say, oh, all right, now I feel lucky. How dare I? I'm not a punk. I'm Scorpio. You know, and so he goes for the gun. (laughs) I guess back before Sid Vicious, punk was just the old meaning of a so to speak, the the feminized character in prison, right? The one that would be lower on the pecking order, like a bit of a... It was kind of like dickhead in the early 70s. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like, you're a dickhead, you're a punk. What are you doing here, punk? Look at this punk. What's he yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, look at their hands. Like, Scorpio has such girl hands. And I can say that because I am a girl. And look at that hand. Like, look at Clint's hand. That is... A very masculine well, hand. Has anyone seen Heath Ledger and the Joker, the scene where he's in the lockup and you see his, the makeup man didn't touch his hands? He just like looks like regular hands yeah, compared to the rest of his body. That's a mistake. Can I just go back to the quarry for a second? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the mayor's office, yes, there's that 1970s wood panelling. Delicious. But there's all that stone on the facade. Yeah, that's right. Where did the stone Ah. come from? The quarry. (laughs) See? See what an arts degree can do for you? (laughs) Eric, do you like... The line is so so present in pop culture now. It's a parody. It's a joke. Um, Previous guests talk about how, you know, Jim Carrey uses it in the the mask. Do you like the line here when you see it in its original incantation? 
Yes, I do. Um, I, I mean, I knew the line before I had ever seen any of the Dirty Harry movies. I, you know, I mean, it's yeah, it's one of the most right. famous lines in movie history. And so when I did see Dirty Harry for the first time, um, obviously I was anticipating, oh, when's he going to say? When's he going to say it? But I, I liked it. I, I wasn't like, oh, that's it. Oh, okay. I, I, it, it worked very well. Uh, I, I do like the line, yeah. Um, a reviewer quoted, they, they said, quote, Harry is an exterminator that enjoys killing bugs, but he chats to them first. <laughs> Did you like that, Karen? That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of stating the obvious, but <laughs> it's a good review. But Tim, do you like do you want do you want Scorpio to have some quippy line to respond rather than before he's goaded in? Like didn't you want some Dennis Hopper like line like quiz shot? Don't you want him to engage with Harry a bit, or is that a very modern question? It would have been good if he repeated Goodbye, Callahan. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Callahan. <laughs> There's another great line in The Rookie, which Trent's a big fan of, The Rookie. The tagline for that is, There must be a hundred reasons why I don't blow you away, but right now, I can't think of one. <laughs> is that lame compared to this, Eric? Yes. <laughs> like they didn't even try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Eric. Didn't you want some some line, something from Scorpio? Um, I mean, he does he does laugh, and 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 I when he goes for the gun, and I I feel like the laugh means that he thinks Harry's out of bullets, and that he's decided that there isn't one bullet left. Um, as far as should he say something? I mean, I think the the I think if he said something, it almost would diminish the famous line from Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Even in in the line of fire, Tim, doesn't Malkovich go, You bastard! <laughs> so is that Malkovich or Kevin Spacey? Just said, um, anyway. Ooh, good comment. <laughs> One reviewer called uh, Scorpio a giggling, feminized monster. And we made a, re- a student remake of this at school, Eric, and we had this exchange taking place in an underpass. And so we had all the echo, which we, uh, which we loved. <laughs> Filmed less than a kilometer away from where we are right now. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. Surrey Hill Station. Anyway. Oh, the underpass at Surrey Hill Station. Yeah. Doesn't it smell great? Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, the number of commuters that must do a wee on the way home from work <laughs> in that underpass. Tim, do you have any real reason to believe Scorpio usually when he's against Harry, he's scared shitless. Like just a few moments ago at the Trestle Bridge. Do you really think he'd be goaded into trying? Like trying to take Harry up on this gamble? Usually he's like, don't hit me, don't hurt me, no. But that's a bit of an act, isn't it? When he's acting like defenseless and... He's not good with pain, but I think he has the ego to think he could outdo Dirty Harry. Because he's a wuss usually. Yeah, he, he's a wuss with his own body pain, but look how, like, he, he's taking Dirty Harry on. Who would do that? I think, yeah, I think he thinks he's pretty hot. I think it's another example of white privilege that um, he's given, uh, Harry has given Andy the opportunity, but he didn't give the African-American the chance. You know, I gots to know. <laughs> the African-American had to stand up for his right to be goaded, but he just gives it here to Andy. <laughs> and uses poor language skills at the same time. <laughs> I got to know. I got to know. <laughs> also online, they call this a sump. 
Does anyone know that word? This little water lagoon? Oh, like an oil sump. sump. Yeah, so it's excess, like you know how you have a sump with oil. So, so there's a pump and a sump. And then I think isn't the sump where the excess rubbish goes off? Is this a word? Is this something you'd find in the Old West? I'm not familiar with this word. I think you sump. mean, is it sumpin? You'd find it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, the Old West, as in Western suburbs or... <laughs> the Old West. You still see them around Footscray and Yarraville. So lots of sumps. Yeah. I just came across that word, Eric. It says, Scorpio's body sinks into a sump like a slaughtered horror movie monster. Is that a bit of a reach? Do you see it? This is like a horror, like a B-grade horror exploitation end to Scorpio? Yeah, I mean, I, a bit of a stretch. I mean, I guess there is the one shot where um, when he's floating in the water and his eyes still kind of, like his head kind of tilts back and the eyes sort of tilt back in the head. But, uh, I mean, eh, that's a bit of a stretch. I think that's because Eric's tough. Remember when I first <laughs> met you, I said that... As a, as a child, that last scene of him floating off into the water has never left me. It absolutely horrified me as a child. And I do have a very small appetite for gore, but um, <laughs> it, it really horrifies me. When you see his body floating there, for some reason it's always reminded me in The Simpsons, the... Mr. Simpson, your silence only incriminates you further. The sexual harassment episode, and they sort of freeze frame on Homer going, his jaws kind of (laughs) hanging open, and yeah. yeah. (laughs) Eric, in your movie, it's very unsatisfying insofar as the Duke isn't. I mean, the state's the bad guy in your movie, isn't it? Like, the Duke's. The Duke's not really the bad guy, but insofar as he is. Uh, Donald Pleasance gets the pleasure of shooting him in the end. You know, ah, you're a number one. Whereas Snake doesn't get that. All he gets is just ripping up a, a tape at the end. He doesn't really have the euphoric moment of dispatching with the bad guy as such, does he? Uh, yeah, that's true. I, yeah, we talked a lot on our show about how um, while the Duke is the main bad guy in the sense of, like, the one that's trying to stop them from getting out. But, yeah, it's really more... The, the government and, and the countdown clock is, is really the main antagonist of the movie. Um, in the context of the movie, the president blowing the Duke away works very well, but yeah, there is something to be said for, and we actually just, as we're, as we're recording this, we just recorded uh, for our show the uh, final fight between Snake and the Duke before the president blows him away, and we were talking about how it lasts like 10 seconds. I mean, the Snake jumps on the Duke's back, punches him twice, and then runs away. And, and that's the final battle between the main hero and, quote-unquote, the main villain of the movie. So there was something a bit unsatisfying about that, yeah. Yeah, Scorpio is sort of like a combina- combination of seven, seven parts Romero plus a bit of the President plus a bit of the Duke. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of Romero there, sure. <laughs> and I like how both of our movies don't shoehorn in in shoehorn in any romance you know you've at the chock full of nuts you think oh maybe he's going to go down and uh and find a counterpart but no he doesn't and uh, played by russell's real life wife at the time yes that's right Susan hubbley yep um i had a few notes here it's that your character snake he has literally the eye patch on right right show that he's he's singularly he's got one objective you know to get out of there alive do his mission 
he doesn't interject to help out the the woman in the basement or whatever. He's just he's got one eyes for the prize, just like our Harry does. Yeah, and they're both they're both these movies are they feel really action films, but they're not really in a way. Like it has their set pieces and the action comes quick and is satisfying, but um, it's not they're not straightforward. I don't know. They're not straightforward genre pieces. They have a bit of everything. You've you know science fiction on yours, a horror movie. Men on a mission type things, yeah, yeah. I, it was it was interesting. I, I my whole life I'd always viewed Escape from New York as an action movie, and it was it wasn't until I started doing it minute by minute that it occurred to me how many long stretches there are where there is no action, and there's some real <laughs> dialogue heavy sequences, and there's some Snake just kind of walking around. I mean, there's one whole minute where he's basically sitting in a chair smoking a cigarette, just kind of pondering the crappy situation <laughs> right. he's in. And yeah, so then you know the, the the finale is a car chase, and there is some gunplay, and there's there's the big fight that he has with the, the gigantic freak in the in the arena, but yeah. um, it's much less actiony watching it minute by minute than it is watching it as a whole. There was I was thinking recently about Escape from New York, and I don't know why this one moment dropped into my head. I think it's the next morning, and there's a shot of a park. Is am I? Th- Remembering this correctly, I think before air dropping something, air dropping something. Yes, yeah, I, I seem to remember that being a really long shot and loving it, and the sort of mood and, and the lighting and everything. But I was thinking when I heard about your minute by minute program, thinking, "Geez, that would be a struggle to to talk during that one." Yeah, that uh, that scene actually was added late in production because there were some concerns that the entire movie was taking place at night and it's just so dark and they felt they needed a little bit of light and so they put that shot in and we talked about how it was it was a very unnecessarily long shot they show a helicopter flying in and you're like okay this is exciting it's it's a helicopter it's um i don't know if you recall the the rambling helicopter shots at the beginning beginning of this film but um i know nothing about aviation but i've for some reason always been a sucker for helicopter shots just shots <laughs> drifting up, drifting down. Just from Mash, maybe. Oh, maybe from Mash. <laughs> Karen, yes. If Scorpio didn't take the bait, do you think, in your heart of hearts, would Harry have shot him anyway, or does he actually have some handcuffs in that poo brown sh- <laughs> suit? <laughs> suit of his? If Harry hadn't, yeah. If Scorpio no, hadn't, no, it was bullet or nothing. Bullet and or nothing. Yeah, it was always going to be bullet because. You know, we know how incompetent the police are in this show, so they'd probably get him off on a technicality or consider him a nice guy or something. And, you know, Harry was off the clock, so he could... It was a citizen's arrest, really, or a citizen's death in this case. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it had to be a bullet. And, like, you know, there's that threat of violence the whole time. We have to have that finishing touch of, yeah, it's got to end with a bullet, a lethal bullet. So, yeah, it always had to be death. I mean, imagine if if history showed us Harry saying, okay, now turn around, I'm going to put handcuffs on you. (laughs) That doesn't have the same same, uh, strength as, you know, punk. What about after after Harry fires him, puts Scorpio out of his misery? Would you have liked to have seen an 80s-style quip from Harry? I was thinking of Dr. No when he goes, that's a Smith & Wesson, yeah. and you've had your six. 
<laughs> no, I think for Harry, because he's a man of few words and he looks so pretty, it's better that he just stays silent. Eric? Yeah? Forget the legacy and the sequels. Would you have liked Harry to have died at the end? Maybe Scorpio got around off and or Harry be injured? Or do you like it as it is? Definitely not died. Um, I guess injured, I don't know that it makes a difference to me if he would have been, you know, been shot like in the shoulder or the leg or something like that, but I, I definitely would not have wanted him to die. I agree. But you would like to think there was some physical, some physical um, uh, consequence to Harry's pursuit. He's just got a little bit of dandruff-style dusting on his uh, lapels, <laughs> Karen. And he's out of breath. Yeah, I think poor Harry is so emotionally damaged that we don't need to give him a physical injury. Mm. You know, he's single. <laughs> he, he he eats from that takeaway diner. And, yeah, I mean, like, he might get a bit of a rotator cuff problem with all that shooting. But, no, I, don't, I, I, think, it, I think too many people would be devastated if he had a physical injury because he's already the bird with the broken wing anyway emotionally. In the movie Seagull directed before this, um, Madigan, another movie where the, the movie's named after the main cop, the hard-boiled cop in it, um, played by Richard Skidmark. Sorry, Woodmark. He dies He <laughs> dies at the end. Boom, boom. <laughs> oh, he dies, yeah. We couldn't have everyone dying in his own movies. It's a bit stupid. Eric, you were mentioning the Deadpool before. There's a scene in that where a journalist, you know, Patricia Clarkson, woo! Um, she is showing Harry a collection of her newspaper clippings and she's got one that and the, the, the headline says Scorpio killer captured rather than killed. Now, maybe it's a bit of dark humor in the word captured can encompass kill, but um, do you think Scorpio's dead? What do you think in your heart of hearts? Is he really dead? Boy, I hope so with the way that, that his, his eyes are rolling back and his head floating in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, looking at that shot, if that bullet didn't go through him and kill him, sipping that water in the sump there would have certainly killed him. How would you describe that water, Trent? Uh, I would say it's very murky and dirty. No D word, dank? Yeah. I'm Australian. <laughs> we don't speak like that. <laughs> Do you like the squib, Trent? You reckon? I reckon it looks pretty tasteful. It's not over the top when it goes into Scorpio. Is Scorpio being sort of shot in the back, right? Yeah, do we? It's not sort of peck and par style pyrotechnics, there, is it? Have you got the Have you got a Blu-ray version in front of you, Eric? He spoke. There's a squib going out the back of his Scorpio's back. Yeah, uh, I've got the minute that you sent me. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, uh, uh, let me watch it here real quick. Let's again. Uh, okay, but, uh, and oh, oh yeah, yeah, it definitely it comes out of his back. Yeah, so the bullet co- bullet goes clean through him. Not bad. I'm lost. Can you explain? Yeah, just on on his back. I can see it, but is it like a pretend bullet that they've had come out his back? Yeah, they have oh. mini explosions. Oh, Probably wow. a lot more in Escape from New York. Wow! So this movie's just gained a bit of credibility from me that they actually tried to do something <laughs> realistically. Um, oh, I see. As you know, I have hardly seen anything gory on screen in my life. So yeah, that's cool. Trent prefers the death by shooting in the dick. 
uh, in Sudden Impact. <laughs> no, that, that was my dad oh, that, okay. that, that liked that. So is this the one that uh, where he goes around, she goes shooting, shooting him in, in the, the dick? dick? Yeah, that was, that, was his, that was his description. I really like the way that your dad, that's what he remembers of all the things to remember. That's what, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's something triggering him there, like, be nice to women or that might happen to me. <laughs> Probably the latter. But yeah, um. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Zodiac, Eric? No. Uh, there's a good scene where uh, all the cops are going to the premiere or a showing of Dirty Harry in the cinema. And um, Gyllenhaal comes out and he sees Mark Ruffalo, who plays the detective David Toshi, the real-life detective that Harry's based on. And the nervous Jake Gyllenhaal goes up to him and says, uh, the killer gets shot in the chest. He gets shot in the chest. What? That's how it ends. The killer gets shot in the chest. And then the mayor comes by and like sarcastically says to Mark Ruffalo, goes, Harry Callahan did a hell of a job on the case. Hell of a job. And uh, Mark Ruffalo says, yeah, no need for due process, right? No comment on that. Oh, was there a taxi in the background, Eric? I thought that was on your end. No. <laughs> oh, it could have, been, could have been somebody out the front. I thought it was a New York taxi. I thought Come it was on. Ernest Borgnine driving between <laughs> us all. <laughs> oh, Ernest. You got to meet the Duke. I, I am I am in uh, Brooklyn, not Manhattan. The taxis don't drive around uh, here too much. Oh. Well, we can talk about the murder count in this movie, Karen. Sure. This is only this is Harry's really only confirmed kill in the movie. If you can think he doesn't really kill anyone else, he saves a lot more lives. Well, and I think that's Harry all over. Mm. Deep down, he's a good person. I mean, who, who can be cross at him for killing Scorpio? And I agree with the the lack of due process. <laughs> he wasn't Scorpio wasn't helping anyone. He was a he was a pimple on society. So yeah, I think get rid of him. Yeah, there's a, there's a pretty high death count for a short movie though, isn't there? There's four, I believe. So there's Sandra Benson, crochet bikini. Yep, that's a name in the novelization. Sandra <laughs> Benson. There's poor Charlie Russell too. There's the main girl, unfortunately, Anne-Marie Deacon, number three. Charlie Russell's the, didn't know what hit him. Is that? He's only 10 years old. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the boy. Yep. Yeah, boy. So, yeah. yeah. Number four was Officer Collins. Never knew what hit him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm never quite clear on this, Eric. Was the Catholic priest killed or not? I never quite understood that. The machine gun fire we heard earlier in the movie. Officer Collins is killed, but I don't know if the... The decoy Padre or the Padre was killed. Do you think he was killed? Um, I'll say no. I think he probably got his just desserts in prison later. (laughs) (laughs) I think the liquor proprietor's okay. Yeah, he he comes good. Yeah, he comes good. He he's probably had that done to him so many times. Poor guy. Trent, do you think if if Scorpio had have won against Harry? Do you think he'd have the guts to, like, run limp back to the school bus and continue on his merry way? Gosh. How determined is he? No, I reckon he would have run off in the other direction. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? Uh, I th- I think he's, he's getting out of town. Yeah. I, I think that he, he's if he actually had won this showdown, he is getting the hell out of there immediately. I agree with both of you. It's just approaching the end of the minute. I'm <laughs> just looking for... <laughs> <laughs> Fan fiction. He had to die. He had to. Something just came into my head, you know, like the feminization of 
Scorpio. Is he a giggling, feminised monster? I think he is, yet he lives in a baseball stadium. Ah, the epitome of male masculinity. Exactly. There's so many things that don't fit. But he's a gardener. Yeah. Isn't that woman's work? Oh, totally. Just like George Pell is, as of this week, I believe. Uh, speaking of... Anyway, Gard- sorry. Gardening, I'm, you yes, think? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We were just talking about Catholic priests and I got yeah. my characters confused. Yes. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, was that a deliberate uh, opposite land or was it mm. accidental? Because there's nothing... Yeah. You know, baseball is very masculine. Do you like, Eric, do you like Scorpio's cardigan swimsuit? Do you think it's a good counterpart to the crochet swimsuit the poor woman at the start of the movie? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it, 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 it does the job, sure. Well, hang on. You're from Brooklyn, right? Isn't that the center of hipsters and cardigans and Harris? <laughs> like- <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, it's a different part of Brooklyn than I live in, but yes, there's a section of Brooklyn um. called Williamsburg that is uh, hipster central, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've done yoga many times in Williamsburg. I was just thinking, Eric, uh, just to uh, compare the two films. Imagine, can you imagine a John Carpenter version of the soundtrack of this? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that would be, it would add a very much more haunting uh, angle to <laughs> Harry's life and times. And I can imagine what what the theme that uh, John Carpenter would have come up with for you know to, to be Scorpio's motif. Yes, it, it, it's actually interesting because that electric piano bit I keep thinking about uh, comparing to a couple of bits I think in uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Oh yeah, very similar sort of motifs there. Yeah, even just the binary, the eight bit keyboard or whatever it is, Trent. <laughs> Unfortunately, it goes a little bit in that direction, but nowhere near as good as John Carpenter in Sudden Impact, where a lot of these, the, f- this soundtrack is done in very, very terrible. Uh, yeah. Oh, what was his name? Um, Lalo. Yeah, Lalo. Lalo. Not yeah. his best performance there. Do you think, Karen, they should have had Scorpio sort of gargling for his life a little bit more in the shot we get of him to mirror the pain that our poor Sandra Benson went in at the start of the movie. I know it might take away from the fact that 44 is lethal, you know, it kills you in one shot, but don't you think Harry should have been maximising pain here? I know it's a morbid... uh, Yeah, I think think it might have been a bridge too far because if Scorpio wasn't dead, the option for Harry would have been to watch him drown or just to put in a whole lot of more bullets in him if he had any more bullets because I wasn't counting, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was. It's definitely six. Uh, I reckon, no, I, I think the reason it's stuck in my mind as a horror movie is the silence, is the fact that he's shot, he's dead, he floats off in the tide of the sump and it's just so haunting and silent and like he's dead. He's yeah. totally dead. It's done for. There's no limping away. There's no crawling out of anywhere. He is dead. Yeah, but I think it was the only, it was one of the few cinematic <laughs> decisions I agree with. Eric, do you feel, do you feel good when Scorpio is blasted away? Now, this movie gives you, 
it gives us all a glimpse into how seductive vigilantism taking the law into your own hands can be. Do you feel good when Scorp... Do you find yourself having to check yourself, your, our euphoria, when you see him, when the bad guy's killed? Uh, <laughs> no, because he's, he's such a scumbag, he, he needs to die. You know, if, if this character ends up... If Harry had just captured him and put him in chain and, and, and handcuffs and then he, he had to go through a trial and he ended up in jail and he'd be allowed to probably have some big grandstanding speech that he would make that would be like two hours long at his sentencing hearing, which would be really obnoxious. Just mm. save everyone the time and trouble and just blow them away. What about you, Karen? Do you think this movie... I think I know where, you, where your opinion lies. Does it, does it glorify... A cop with an attitude problem? It really does, but I think most people would be too apathetic to take on, you know, like next time I see a crime, I'm going to step in and risk my own safety for him or her. Although I do find there's something to be said. You know, older people just lose their inhibitions and just become really arrogant and start doing things. Well, there's Eastwood at the the chair with the convention. Yeah, exactly. That's That's... That's not out of the realm of possibility. I think also if you've had a long, good life and you see Scorpio down the street, I think I'd be one of those people who'd think, I'm going to get him. I don't care about the law or justice or innocence until proven guilty. So, yeah, it does glorify the vigilante. But as I say, I think most people are too apathetic. That's why Charles Bronson it took him to about 115 years old before the first death wish. Because um, <laughs> he stopped giving him rat's ass before then. Yeah. yeah. And also the self-righteousness of, of older people who just think, it's my right. I've paid taxes for 50 years. I'm going to shoot this young guy with the heroin addiction. Oh, it's my grandson. <laughs> In a few interviews, Clint said that um, he was really torn up inside about Pauline Kael's scathing review of this movie and not just her but all the most of the main critics Ebert as well um, that he actually took the review her review to a psychoanalyst to go oh my god am I a fascist piece of shit uh, do, do you think that's just revi- do you think that's true Karen I, I do love I forgot that they all what does she mean they a all, fascist nightmare they all had analysts didn't they in those days can you say Clinton an analyst no, I can't. Also, hopefully, if, if that was true, the analyst said, you know you were acting and you were paid for that job. You're not actually a cop, Clint. You're just a tall, good-looking actor. <laughs> like, I think he was mixing up his roles there. Um, mind you, it would be crushing to get negative reviews. <laughs> no one could get 100% good reviews. Eric, Robert Ebert said um, he described Harry Callahan as, quote, a savage forced to follow the rules of society. That's um, that's Snake Plissken, isn't it? As well. Oh yeah, sure. I well, I mean the thing of the the difference is that Snake doesn't follow the rules of society. Um, they he's they're trying to force him to follow the rules of society, and he resists that, and he's able to not. Uh, but he definitely is a savage. <laughs> that's the twist, I guess. Snake. Snake, insofar as Snake has politics, he wants, he wants, can you, he doesn't want a fascist state, right? Whereas Harry, you think, yeah, Harry would like more rights against the criminals. Yeah, I mean, Snake just, he, Snake doesn't give a shit. You know, Snake is all about living for the next minute. He's all about just, you know, what do I got to do now to survive? I'll worry about anything else later. Uh, he, he just doesn't care. Yeah. 
Whew. Karen, what do you think? What do you think Harry's going to do now? Is he really quitting? I mean, he hasn't hasn't thrown anything yet, is he? But um, if if it were modern day times, he would become security guard outside a club and bash people for no reason because that's where old cops go. <laughs> um, I think he's going to go back to his diner and have a couple of hot dogs. He might look up Norma because Chico's <laughs> still in rehab. Uh, look up Norma, invite her out on a date, but he's rusty. He's got no experience, you know, with dates in modern day time since his wife passed away. Uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to reassess. I actually think the force will realise they can't do without him and they'll invite him back maybe as a consultant. They need him. They yeah. need him. We can't live without you, Harry, even though you play by your own rules. I think, you know, maybe the mayor and the police inspector will be dead before long anyway because they don't look like they have a pulse, <laughs> either of them. <laughs> in the in the Bollywood remake Kun Kun, um, there's no equivalent scene where he reflects on what he's had to do because he manages to... He walks away literally with the, the equivalent of the fishing boy or girl. He carries her away. Um, no credit. <laughs> there's even no credits at the end of that movie. They don't even get anyone. But there's no sort of reflection about what he's been forced to do. Right. Um, Kun, Kun Kun's about... That's early 80s, isn't it? It's like... No, quite- 73. Really? So it was that Two soon after? after? Two years after wow. this, yeah. Eric, this is the movie the, Ameri- the Bollywood remade. Um Mercifully, it's, there's only two or three musical numbers, but it, yeah, it has it has Har- uh, Scorpio, the equivalent character, singing Bollywood numbers in the school bus oh, with the kids rather than row, row your boat. And Warner's promptly sued them, but um, yeah, they evidently didn't play up that part of the script about you know being disillusioned with the system. He has the obstacles about you know rights and stuff, but he, it's not really a big part of the movie. There's a Turkish remake as well, isn't there? Yeah, I haven't watched that I yet. can't remember the name of it. I, I do have access to it somewhere. Kalushtip or something. Kalushtip. Yeah. You guys know so much. <laughs> I, I have a bit of an obsession with a brief period in of Turkish cinema where oh. they weren't allowed to bring in American films. So, they just redid they them. They remade them. Yeah. The yeah. Star Wars, E.T., Exorcist. Perfect. Just, yeah. A bit like Be Kind, Rewind, like just yeah. make up yeah. make up your own movie or copy. Exactly. With with the Star Wars yeah, one, yeah. they've got projections from the actual film in the background <laughs> and, you know, they're meant to be in space and suddenly in this guy's cockpit, there's a sh- shot, big screen, of another guy in a cockpit from the actual film. They haven't cut it properly. Yeah. It's fantastic. Eric, have you ever lost faith in something so much that you've – You've taken a badge or a certificate or some physical object and just thrown it away in disgust. <laughs> um, Maybe your subway card or something after Jared. <laughs> uh, my first career out of college was I was a news radio reporter. And my um, after a few years, they, they cut my position. Um, and I was really upset and I had uh, a few t-shirts and a jacket that I had that you know with the station's uh name on it that I had had that I'd worn over the years and I may or may not have taken scissors and cut some of those up <laughs> I'm tempted to throw away fortunately my DVD copy of Dirty Harry is very scratched now that's part of the reason we were late sorry Eric um I'm thinking of figuratively throwing this 2008 
Warner Brothers DVD out the window because I never want to watch this movie again. (laughs) That was my comment. (laughs) Our previous guest said it's telling that Harry has the opportunity. He could, Karen, throw away the Magnum. He could throw away his gun, but that's not, I guess, a symbol. That would be like throwing away a penis. What man would do that? No, there's no way he would ever throw away the gun. Plus, he's not going to deny that he did it. He's going to own it. Mm. I I was off the clock. I shouldn't have killed him, but I did, and I did the world a favour. Now, never would he throw that magnum away, um, you know, because he could have sold it on 1971 eBay. And um, <laughs> But, no, it had, it had to be – he had to throw away something to do with authority, and that yep. would be the badge. Do you think, Eric, that Harry's just off to become Citizen Harry now? He's just off to become a vigilante, or is he is he going to ask Jaffe if he needs help in the hot dog store? I don't see him becoming a vigilante. I think that either he he. I mean, the the, the problem is he does chuck the badge, so yeah. I don't I don't think that that is a split second decision. I think that this is something that he thought about you know, before even the final chase began. Um, so I, I I don't see him operating outside the law as a non-police officer vigilante. So I think he, uh, you know, he, they ended up with four sequels, so we know he doesn't leave. But if we pretend this is the only one they made, I see him just going off and, and getting a new career. Trent, do you think, you know, in the Tim Burton's Batman, you know how... Jack Nicholson, as a Joker, has that huge gun. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you reckon that's vaguely a parody of this in general? <laughs> Maybe. It's like really... Re- Does he even fire in the end or it's just in that restaurant scene where he... It's just in the restaurant scene. <laughs> I'm trying to think if in the... Uh, I don't know. I've I, I blocked my mind of all Batman crap. <laughs> I've forgotten. Um, yes, I'm not too sure. But yeah, most likely... Warner Brothers, Link? I don't know. Clutching of straws. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, how, how often do you visit IMDb comments or whatever exists these days for your movie about trivia and um, analysis of subtext? Do you dip into that sometimes? Uh, sure. Because on IMDb, one of the old message boards, they maybe they're grasping at straws here, but they look at Harry's police number, 2211. And the straws they draw is about, you know, when Harry finally shoots Scorpio, is he killing his alter ego? And, you know, he's killed his double. And now that two of them are only ones left. And uh, as a result of that mathematical equation, that's why he has to throw out the badge. (laughs) That is a real stretch. Would the 22nd of November be Scorpio? Oh, maybe. Yeah, they are September. Oh. I don't. I don't know. No, I don't could, know my no, horoscopes. That's the arrow person, is <laughs> centaur. Is I, can't I don't know. I don't do numbers. I only do words. We have a look. Do you like that cliche, Eric? About in so many movies, we've seen it now about the bad guy and the good guy. The the bad guy's taunting them, saying, you know, like even a line of the fire is like, we have only the game, you and me, Malkovich. Or, you know, we're the same, really. It's just that happenstance has you as the bad guy and uh, you as the good guy and me as the bad guy. Um, are you sick of that cliche in movies? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I even it 
for me, even when I was a kid, I, I grew up reading Marvel comics, and I always remember Doctor Doom would always say to Mister Fantastic, "You know, we're two sides of the same coin." Or one of Spider-Man's villains would always say to him, "We're two sides of the same coin." That, that's the, the, the phrase that I always think of. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know that a lot of movies, especially especially in like in comic book movies these days, they really like to have the villain be someone that's just, you know, the dark mirror version of the good guy. Um, I, I mean, sometimes it works, but a, a lot of times it doesn't, and, and they're kind of just throwing that in there just to, I think, maybe to try to make things a little deeper than they really are. I mean, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne is not the dark, is not the good image of a dark, of the Joker. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're nothing at all alike. So, uh, I, I don't, I mean... I don't see how Harry with, you know, maybe, you know, one little twist would have been like Scorpio. I, that's just, you know, that's just not who the character is. Yep. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, even Mad Max has it. Remember he goes, it's only the, the bronze badge that set, without the badge. I'm one of them out there. Yeah. But I don't know. Sometimes it comes off as cool just as a throwaway line to think about, but IMDb just relax. Not it's not the it's not the book of revelations. Not this <laughs> everything good. There's something evil. Yeah, I, I miss IMDb message boards. It was cool towards the end. George Lazenby was on there, and clearly had uh, had a bit to <laughs> drink or something. I don't know. And people arguing with <laughs> like him stating facts. This is really me, and you know, people arguing <laughs> no, against really him. Mean. And he he just kept feeding them on. It was great. If it was him, yeah. <laughs> How many takes do you think it took for Eastwood to go through his line here, Karen? Because they cut away to the Magnum a few times. Yeah. Well, they need to show us his masculine hand. They do cut yeah. away. Yep. And then- You think it was on purpose? I just think he fluffed the line, so it's like, yeah. Oh, and they just keep- <laughs> It's possible, that, that one line that he had to say. Um, I don't- I'm always intrigued by how many takes because, of course- Every time Scorpio got wet, they would have had to get him out, dry him up again, you know, like redo the makeup, redo the whole thing. So to be, come on, Harry, get it right the first time or the second or the third. And the director's known as a no-nonsense one-taker, Don Siegel. Right. So it's very dangerous when you have someone like um, Eastwood who loves lines. And I I do think that's why many of his lines are nonsensical. Um, We've spoken about this in the past about when he uses some weird phrasing, I think everyone's sitting there thinking, yeah, that wasn't the line in the script, but we want to do one take, so we'll just cut it. You know, we'll let it be. Um, you know, and hopefully nobody will notice. But, yeah, it could have been done a couple of times. I don't know. The uh, the quarry workers would have wanted to come back to work and get their time and a half because we now think it's Saturday morning. What's that red mark on the gun? Is it maybe it's a toy gun? Look, it's you know how when they yeah. sell toy guns, they'd put yeah. the pink mm. thing on it, to- so you know it's not real. <laughs> I wonder what it is. Is that just sort of signifying more where the sight is? Oh, maybe just, just so it stands yeah, out. Yeah, the do magnums have that? You know the the hair, the crosshairs. I don't know anything about weapons, but I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. We are not Americans. We do not know this Yeah, stuff. we don't carry guns Sorry, in our handbags. <laughs> <laughs> we, I do not own a gun. <laughs> Good. In the novelization, it's revealed that Harry's middle name is Francis. 
San Francisco. He is the guardian. Oh, I was actually thinking Francis Catholic name. Mm-hmm. That's why he got a bit angry that the Catholic priests were going to be targeted. Mm. <laughs> or does he not mind at all? Hard to know. How do I know that I, when you said Harry Francis, mm-hmm. that didn't feel like it was new information? Is, well, is it said in the movie at all? Not at all. Did I get it off his ID badge? I don't think so. I'll play it again. Did Norma say something? (laughs) Call me Frank. Harry Francis. When I read that, I thought, oh, okay, that's why he's the guardian saviour of San Francisco. Maybe I read it on Wikipedia. So Francis Drake. Yeah, Yeah. playing balls. We spoke many episodes ago about the links between this and American Sniper. Have you seen that, Eric? American Sniper with Bradley Cooper? No, I have not seen that one. I don't think you need to, but (laughs) there's a whole lot of parables. Like, you know, everyone's his wife's bad dream. Like, why are you doing it? Why are you going on another duty in Iraq? And Harry doesn't have an answer to that in this version. He's like, I don't know. I really don't. But he has the stock standard answer. He keeps repeating on his wife. He goes, they need me over there. You know, the esprit de corps of my, my Marine buddies over there need me. And he said, I do it to protect you. It's sort of like Dirty Harry has rehearsed later on what his answer is. He'll just have this rote excuse. Whereas this hero, Harry, in this movie anyway, is like, I don't know why I do this. I've got nothing else. Mm, Wife's dead. Can't cook. (laughs) 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 He he eats at the diner all the time. He buys Chico donuts and hot dogs. Speaking of Chico, he's got a brother in that movie. He also, like, quits the Marines. He's, like, shell-shocked. See, these... These are really cheap shots, aren't they? Mm. This formulaic cinema. And Bradley, he's like chewing gum as well and he's like... Oh, he's always chewing gum. I can't understand what a word he what says. What haunts me, Karen, is the guys I couldn't save. So that's Anne-Mary Deacon. And actually when he persuades the Marines, because he's a sniper, he goes, oh, come on, man, I want to go on patrol with you. I'm one of you. And he hits the streets of Baghdad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he takes a phone call with his wife. Yeah. And the sort of flirting, talking dirty when- As you do, he suddenly starts sniping people. Just like the Harry being distracted by boobage in on the rooftop scene. Boobage. The hero, you remember? Where he- I have never heard boobage. <laughs> boobage, I'm going to use that word. That is fantastic. Yeah, I know, he's only human, isn't he? You yeah. know, I mean, he's, he's, he's walking along at night. He's a bit consumed by his job, but hey, <laughs> naked girl in window. What's a man to do? All this stuff, going back to the formulaic style, I mean, Mel Paso, his company, I think, was formed a year before this. Is that right? Yeah. Have they had any major losses at the box office? I mean, everything's sort of not outstanding, but it's they've certainly made their budgets back. I mean, it's pretty conveyor belt kind of production. There's, a, there's something every year from them pretty much since yeah. 1970. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a pretty successful formula, hence the formulaic style. But, I mean, that's why- But people nothing- would go. It's mainstream. And people yeah. would go in droves to see those kind of movies with those characters. Yep. yep. But there's nothing particularly ambitious no. about them. No. Not know, risky at all. Something, you know, that yeah. could be prepped up. Usually the scripts are already existing. Yep. That's right. Um, things like that. So, you know, I've been good on them in a lot of respects. It's not a lot of shit that I would- be interested in personally, but can you stop with the parallels between Mike Love and Clint Eastwood, please? <laughs> Don't fuck with the formula. <laughs> I just want to go racing down the streets of San Fran and kill another people. 
Well, many thanks for joining us, Eric. Well, you're certainly welcome. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Do you have any final final words on this minute or the movie? Uh, the only thing, other thing I would wanted to say was um, I feel like, I don't know if any of your previous guests have said this or not, but with this being Harry makes this speech twice in the movie with the, you know, I, I've lost count of the bullets, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. It reminds me of Samuel Jackson's Ezekiel 25:17 speech in Pulp Fiction that he always says before yeah. he's going to shoot somebody. Uh, it's just it's very yeah. interesting that they have these two characters that feel it necessary to give a speech before they blow someone away, and they always make sure it's the same speech. <laughs> we were asking if Harry was perhaps a little bit either on the spectrum or this is like a Tourette's response he has. Um, we do like, of course, that the first delivery is sort of jovial and fun and flippant because it's, it's his old adversary since time immemorial, the criminal, right? The burglar sort of righteous in a way. It's sort of common, you know, cat and mouse. Oh yeah. You're, you're a bank robber. You're just taking things. You're not this new breed of psychopath that I'm not deal with. Whereas at the end, he really means it. And it's sort of the reverse of a stand-up comedian when they have a, a callback. Usually it's like really hammered in as a as a earmark early on in the stand-up set and then later you bring back the callback as a flippant one-off whereas here it's the reverse it's like flippant and it's hard-edged at the end but i haven't seen pulp fiction for a long time does he vary his delivery of that jules at the end of the movie like the second time he delivers it does he deliver it with the same force or not i can't remember uh, well, the second time he gives it is uh, at the end when he's in the diner and he's talking to Tim Roth's character and he's explaining why he always uses, why he always has said the line. And so he's, he's getting very philosophical um, and it seems like he's basically announcing he's not going to be making that speech anymore. But I mean, oh, it's wow. also tied into that he, I, it, he's going to be leaving the gangster life and it probably isn't going to be killing anybody anymore either. Hmm. I've got to check that. That old that movie out. Well, thank you very much, Trent. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Listeners will have noticed that Tim Tim had to sneak out to see his child. And Karen, thank you very much for My hosting us again. Absolute pleasure. You're welcome anytime. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, Karen. We'll catch you next time on Dirty, Dirty Harry Minute. Minute.